This morning, I want to continue to teach into um, some of the things that we here at Pine Rivers Vineyard, as the people of Jesus, we love and we value. And um, since Easter this year, it's like the Holy Spirit's just been uh, digging old wells and fresh waters just kind of been flowing out from them. And it's been a beautiful thing to see people coming alive to these peculiar um, values that he's made us as his people here in the vineyard to carry. And we've been celebrating that together. And um, this morning, I want to continue on that one. Trent opened up this one for us last weekend on um, relationships. And I want to talk some more about that. I want to sort of trampoline off what he um, set up for us last weekend. The, the reality is for us, we believe that Jesus is the center and the reconciler of all things. Jesus, Paul tells us, brings everything together in who he is. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says that Jesus reconciles all things to himself. He's before all things, he's after all things, he holds all things together. The idea is, and the truth is, Jesus, when, as, as a human being and as the Son of God, he, he holds everything together and makes sense of everything. When we look at Jesus, life makes sense or it starts to make sense when we look at Jesus and when we engage with Jesus. So Jesus is the centre. And so for me, and here at the Vineyard, we understand that people are on a journey of increasing intimacy with Jesus. And at any given point, we're either moving towards him with our heart, with our life, with our resources, and we're saying, yes, Lord, that's what it sounds like, or at other times, we can hear Jesus calling to us and we're turning away and we're going, no, Lord, no, Lord. And we're removing ourselves from intimacy with Jesus. Now, Jesus is still the centre. Whether you and I put him there or not, he's still the centre. He, he's the centre of everything. Now, even our date system is based around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's like he's the Lord of all things. So this morning, as we consider that Jesus is the centre of everything, I want us to talk this morning some more about relationship. And and as a result of that relationship, our relationships begin to take on the nature, the authority, and the life of who Jesus is. Paul uses words like, Jesus, we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. Paul uses these words like the more we centre on Jesus, the more our life begins to be influenced and shaped and authored by the reality of who Jesus is. And so this morning, our relationship, I want to talk about how our relationships do that. But before I get there, I thought... Can I just say to the worship team, Gail and worship team, beautiful this morning. That was beautiful this morning. Not only was it beautiful and powerful, um, there were some amazing themes in the, those lyrics in those words, which I really want to pull on this morning as well, because as I was preparing for today, 
I want us to understand that in Jesus we see God is all about relationship and so are we. And there's a fantastic um, account in the book of Luke, in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 15, where Jesus is getting, you know, a bit harangued and, and poked at by some religious folk of the day and police of the day. And Jesus wants to tell them a story about what God is truly like and what relationship with God truly looks like. And he tells this story in Luke chapter um, 15 of a lost sheep. And we sang about that this morning. You know, you, you, you leave the 99 and you come after me, God. It's like, how precious is the one that God would pursue the one? Um, so Jesus tells this story of how in Luke chapter 15, in verse 3, he's, in verse 4, he says, Suppose any one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds the sheep, he puts it on his shoulders and joyfully, well, actually, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. So Jesus actually, anyway, I think he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. This is, this is like, if you spend any time in this stuff, it will like shape your life. It will shape your life. All you just need is a little bit of humility. Then he calls to his friends and his neighbours and he says, hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there's going to be more parties in the kingdom over one person, a sinner who repents, changes their mind about who God is, than over the 99 righteous people who, who don't need to repent, who've already discovered, oh, yeah, we know who God is. There's a couple of themes in there that are just outstanding. Firstly, that the, that the heart of God is that he is in hot pursuit for relationship with every single individual, the one. Now, a lot of the time, culturally, most of us are spending our whole day arguing with spiritual dynamics as well as cultural reasonings and worldviews that says, I'm a no one. Well, in this gospel account, God says, you're not a no one. You're a someone. You're a someone of such great worth that I would take on flesh and I would do extreme generous things to make relationship with you and see you restored to your true identity as a good creation of the living God. You're not anyone. You're not um, no one. You are all someone. So incredibly precious to God. Jesus was hanging around with some kind of characters who were a bit shady. And the guys, that's why the guys were giving him a bit of pushback on who he was relating to. He says, you guys have got no idea. If you think it's all about performance, you've got no idea. If you think it's about religion, you've got no idea. This is all about relationship. And Jesus loves the one. God loves the one. And he loves you. He loves you. 
Now, right now, in hearing that, your mind and your thinking and the worldview that we're prevalently living in, it would say right now, deflect that away. But I'm telling you, grab that truth. Grab it. Grab it with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength in the Holy Spirit. Hold that truth. Because right now there is a massive move of culture in this world and spiritual dynamics that wants to make us and you just a a vanilla. You're not vanilla. Every single one of us in this room is a workmanship of God to be celebrated as a reflection of who God truly is. As an end as a gift to the world. Oh my gosh, our world needs people who know who they are. You are someone and I am someone because God says we matter to him. And man, you know what the other thing I love about that story there? God loves a good party. Oh my gosh. If there's one thing that should like seriously be an identifier of the kingdom of God is that we know how to celebrate others. Others as much as we know how to celebrate ourselves. And then Jesus goes on in that same passage. God is so given to relationship. We see in that same passage there, he tells this fantastic story about a man who has two children. And the younger child says to his dad, give me everything. Give me everything that is meant to be mine as an inheritance. And so he gives it to him, gives him the resources and everything that's his, and he takes that inheritance that his father has spent a lifetime building for him. And he goes to a faraway land and he spends it. The scriptures, Jesus says he spends it on wild living I mean, we've all got a picture of what that might look like. I see a few little giggles and smirks as I say that. We've all got an understanding of what wild living might look like. Well, Jesus says he goes and spends it all on wild living. But the thing is, when he's out there spending it all on wild living, the story tells us, Jesus says, in this instance, the father stands at home. He stands at the gate And the father waits. This father that Jesus talks about, his father, and now our father, he trusts the power of the seed of his investment that is placed in his children, no matter how far from home they roam. The father stands at the gate and chooses to trust what he's placed in his children. So on the one hand, the father, God is so given to relationship that he runs for the one and leaves the 99. And now there's this other instance where Jesus says, and at the same time, your father, my father, our father, he's a father that waits. He graciously waits. Let's just go and do what we think we need to do to pursue what we think we need to pursue. He lets us go and do whatever we think is wise in our own eyes and he trusts 
the power of the investment of his word and his life that he's sown into his children and he waits for their return. What a father. I get so challenged by the nature of who my God is in Jesus Christ on both ends of pursuing the one and trusting for the returns of the kingdom. But this is the nature of the relationship that God has with us. We do relationship because God is a God of relationship. We are his ambassadors and we are the ones who have been given an invitation to partner with Jesus to reflect the power of the kingdom to pursue the one and wait at the gate. And some days we might find ourselves doing that a couple of times over. Going, waiting, going, waiting, pursuing, waiting, pursuing, waiting. This is the nature of our relationship, and this is what it looks like. If you've got your Bible with you, I'll quickly open it up in what First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter 13. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about the nature of love in the context of a church that's like fully ablaze in the power of the Holy Spirit and radical things are taking place in terms of supernatural power and dynamics and at the same time they're a church that are just just full of really broken people. They're doing some really carnal stuff. They turn up to communion drunk. There's all this sex stuff taking place in the church. And but Paul's just like, hang on, guys. Come on, centre it on Jesus. Remember Jesus. Come back to Jesus. And Paul, Paul reminds them, it doesn't matter how powerful you are in the things of the Spirit, whether you are or you aren't. It's all about the nature of the relationship. And the, the relationship culture of both with the individual and as the community of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 reads, love is patient, it's kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud doesn't dishonour others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs and I thank God for that. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes and it always perseveres. Can you hear the Father at the gate? Always trusting, always hoping, always looking for the return of his children and the investment of his kingdom as it's been shed abroad in people's lives and into their hearts. Here at the Vineyard, we value relationships. You see, when we entered into a relationship with Jesus, we entered into a new reality. We entered into a new culture of the heart, a new culture of the mind, a new culture of the flesh, where our daily life begins to be transformed by the centering reality of who Jesus really is as the one who came and died and rose and now rules and reigns, the one who showed us what God, who God truly is. The relationship of culture, culture of Jesus that is now born in our hearts as we say yes to him begins to flood and influence and challenge and poke the way we do life. We begin to become more loving. We begin to become more patient. We begin to become more trusting, more hopeful, more forgiving, more engaged with what God is doing. The spirit of Jesus begins to bear powerful fruit 
and we begin to grow and become more like Jesus. God is into relationship, and so are we at the vineyard. It says there on the screen, we're honoured by everyone that God adds to the vineyard. You know, some days I think to myself, oh my gosh, there's, like, there's people turning up to this place. This is incredible. That God would, like, because it is a God thing. You're not here because of our smarts. You're here because the Holy Spirit's led you here. And we find that absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding on the end of God. That we here, we value every person who God adds to the vineyard and we aim to work together to build the church through maintaining mutual respect, open communication, determined cooperation and believing and speaking the best about each other. Jesus style, that's really what we're doing. We're trying to do relationships like Jesus does relationships. So this context is... Jesus tells us what God is like and how God does relationships. He's both intense and and given in his love for the one. And at the same time, he's incredibly stable and like um, trusting of the power of his own love that he's invested into his children. That's what this place is like. There's so much testimony of Jesus in this place, of the nature of the relationship that just looks like Jesus. There's, I, I, there are so many stories in the ranks here of this place. Every week we hear stories of people that are in hot pursuit of those that are, that are the one. The one who's been wandered off. And at the same time, there's incredible faithfulness and prayer and intercession and just holding like the Father at the gate in prayer and intercession and in life that says they're coming back because the Father has made an investment in them through this place. I've seen it through a generation. I've seen it through generations of the return of the kingdom in people's lives. We want to, um, just for a few moments, touch on these four things. It's a new way of living like Jesus with each other. One of mutual respect. Oh, my goodness. Today's world, everyone has the microphone. Once upon a time, you'd have to go to a public place like this to hold the microphone or see someone holding the microphone. Now, everyone holds the microphone. (laughs) I mean, there is so much stuff being spat out through the microphone every day. And one of the hugest messages that everyone is clamouring for and fighting for is their space to be heard. Their space to be heard. Where is my voice being heard? And yet at the same time, in the context of this, in the context of this and this culture, as soon as sometimes you do find your voice and put your voice out there, there's a whole bunch of voices out there that say, hey, you, shut up, get back down there. We're living in a time where everyone has the microphone. And when you do use the microphone, some people will cheer you on and some people will say, hey, shut up and get back down. But in Jesus, 
in Jesus, we have the opportunity to display to the world what relationship with God and each other looks like in such a powerful way that's not like the world, that's not like this. It might use that medium, but it's so much more powerful and so much more life-giving. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, if you've got any encouragement from being united in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have any comfort from knowing him and his love for your life, if you share a common life together, if you have any tenderness and compassion, Paul says to the church, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value each other above yourself. Don't look just to your own interests, but be considerate and look to the interests of each other. You know, sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes we should use words... Sometimes we should use words. That's a whole bunch of action. That's a whole bunch of lifestyle right there of intimacy with Jesus that then flows on into how we go about doing relationship with God and each other and our world. Open communication. You know, one of the things I love about um, the opportunity to spend time in a kinship group, a small group with some men that I love, it's an opportunity where I get to share openly about my life with other people. I get to share some good stuff. I get to share some of the hard stuff. I get to share some of the embarrassing stuff. I get to share some of the victorious stuff. I get to share some of the demonic stuff and I get to share some of the Jesus stuff. I get to live an open life. That's what open communication means. It means living with your life open and allowing it to speak. Jesus is in you. If you've received Jesus, he's in you. And he's authoring, the book of Hebrews tells us, he's authoring a story in each of us that the world needs to see. Living with an open posture, and an open posture, Psalm 139 verse 16 reads this, like an open book you watched me grow from conception to birth, O God, all of the stages of my life are spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. You're an open book, I'm an open book. As much as we might want to try and like hide ourselves, our God is writing a story through us for the sake of the world. Our life lived is our best communication. And like I said before, sometimes we even get to use words. And sometimes we even get to use words.
determines cooperation. You see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit before that love message on 1 Corinthians 13, he talks about the fact that you and I are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of it. You know, what I love about how God has shaped the people here at Pine Rivers Vineyard and is continuing to shape us and form us is that he's making us a peop- as a people of determined, determined cooperation. Determined cooperation. Sometimes that's not easy cooperation, but it's determined. It wasn't easy for Jesus to come and reconcile him, reconcile all things in himself, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. It wasn't easy, but he was determined. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. They're the kind of people Jesus is making us and continuing to shape us. A people of determined cooperation. You see, we have a powerful testimony here of nearly 25 years of the reality of Jesus loving individuals, loving our region, and loving the world. And we share in his vision, in Jesus' vision, we share in his passion that's beating deep in our heart as the centre of our life to see everyone find their place, know their place, and function in their place. We're determined to overcome the power of isolation, of individual thinking, and the powers of darkness that seek to kill and destroy. We're determined kind of Jesus people. You hang around here, that's going to be in the fibre of your faith. Determined. Determined. We're determined to let the world know, our little bit of the world know, and our families know that Jesus is Lord. Lastly, we believe and speak the, le- the best about each other. Today is Father's Day. And I love this day because I get to brag about my dad. You don't get to brag about my dad. You get to brag about your dad. I get to brag about my dad. One of the things that I want to brag on about my dad today is from the time I was born to even as I am now, a 49-year-old man, he still continues to believe the best of me and call me on into the vision that God has for my life. And you know how he does that? He usually starts about 4 a.m., in the dark, where he sits and he prays for me. I love my dad. For those of you here in this room, for those of you here in this room, I mean, he's, I mean, you've got to hear, my dad's a good bloke, absolutely. He's pretty top shelf. But if there's one thing you'll get to know about him, he'll say, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Everyone can know the father heart of God in Jesus. Even if your earthly father is no longer here with you. Or even if you are out of relationship with your earthly father. Everyone can have the father of the Lord Jesus. And he has given his people his Holy Spirit. And there's this beautiful gift of the Spirit called prophetic word, prophetic utterance. 
And it's the vision of, and the lens of being able to have the heart of God for each other and to call on and call out and call up who we truly are in God as his children. Everyone can have that. Whether we have earthly fathers or not, we have Jesus. And in him we can all experience the love of the Father in the power of the Spirit and know who we truly are and keep getting called on into who we are. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us? Wow, that we should be called his children because that is who we are. How great is the love of God the Father that he's lavished on us that we should be called the children of God because that is who we are. One of the wonderful fruits of this Holy Spirit life that we get to live together here at Pine Rivers Vineyard is to no longer view each other from a worldly point of view, but we get to look at each other, understanding our true identity, that when I look at you and that when you look at me, you get, we get to see each other as the Father sees us, as God the Father sees us. You guys are amazing people. You are a people of prophetic hope and power. And the people that we live with, both here in this context and that we work with in our everyday life, is just aching for someone to tell them who they are. And the Holy Spirit is upon you to be able to do just that. Last weekend I was in Melbourne and just um, in the context of this um, small little gathering that I was with, I had this um, moment where the Holy Spirit started talking to me when I was with this group of people and, and all of a sudden I started to experience like, and I hadn't had one of these in many, many years, it was a migraine I was starting to experience a migraine, and one of the side of little telltales that when I had used to have these migraines was I'd start to experience a split in my vision. It's like this little wiggly line kind of, they're called auras, is what they're called. And, and as a result of that, you can't, you look at something, but it's kind of, it doesn't fit together and it looks broken. And then, and then it, and a, a big headache comes with it. And as this was coming on, I'm like, Lord, what is this? As I'm with this group of people. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, you know, I have not experienced something like that for like 15 years. Why am I experiencing that in this room right now? And so I just said to the, this group of people, I said, is there anyone in this room who suffers with this type of stuff? And this lady puts her hand up. She says, I suffer with that. I said, you know what, I think Jesus wants to come and bring his kingdom to you to show you how much the Father loves you and he wants to heal you of this condition. Whatever the backstory is, he's going to take care of all of that and he's going to bring you freedom and he's going to heal you and he's going to love you because he wants you to know how important you are. And then as we started to pray for her, it was like all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on her, but then it was like, it was like my, my heart and my mind and my mouth began to be filled with encouragement for this woman. 
I said, you know, you have been living, uh, I, I know nothing of a story. I said, but I just, all of a sudden, this stuff's coming out of me. It's the Holy Spirit breaking out, breaking through. It's the Father's encouragement determined to reach in and set free and liberate and lift up his kids. I said, you know, you've been living this life for a long time with split vision, not only in the natural, but, uh, you know, physically, but your whole life. You've struggled to have a consistent sense of this is what I am for. I want you to know today God is going to make that all, all cleaned up for you. And she just was like, that is, that is my story. And God began to give her a sense of compelling vision as she encountered the love of the Father through Jesus. You guys are loaded with the Father's authority and power in the Holy Spirit to liberate, to lift up, to empower, to call out and to call on God's children into their true identity and their true life. We get to look at each other and those around us with who Jesus says they are. We're called to, we call each other onward and upward, and we call each other into the more. The more of being shaped into Jesus. We get to call each other on it. Come on, man. Put that Yahoo away. Give that part back to Jesus and come alive. We don't do this in a vacuum because wherever the kingdom advances, we are displacing the work of the enemy. It's not like in a vacuum where it's like, oh, this is like a neutral space here. We're just going to fill it with the love of God. No, when the kingdom comes, when the authorizing power and love of God comes, it displaces what the enemy has done and held people in and sets the captives free. That's the nature of the kingdom. We are always at war. Always, always, always at war. When you pray in the morning, oh God, would you come and deal with this issue in my life? What you're saying is, God, come and deal with the part where I have partnered with darkness and my own soul. Displace that and establish your rule and reign that I might live in fullness. It's, <laughs> that's what we're doing. It's not neutral space. It's not neutral space because Jesus died for that space. It's not neutral space. We powerfully contend against the words and the works of darkness and the enemy of God over people's lives and we refuse to let the enemy win. When we partner with the declared identity of God, we are the children of God, for that is who we are. When we partner with that declared truth over our life and every part of our life, we usher in the kingdom. Today, the love of God wants to usher in a whole new way of doing life for you, where relationship is based in, on, and through the person of Jesus Christ that you might know the love of the Father, the power of the Spirit, the authority of his kingdom, that you can live in relationship with each other, that you can know your place, find your place, know your place, and move in your God-ordained place. Man. 
God is so kind. <laughs> He's so kind. Let's stand and let's pray.